You like to watch new stuff, right? Well, go to Hulu and see what's new, because Hulu has new stuff all the time. Like Vanderpump Villa, the new docudrama starring Lisa Vanderpump, where first-class luxury meets world-class drama. A new season of The Kardashians starring The Kardashians, of course. And Grand Cayman, Secrets in Paradise, the sizzling new reality show set in the tropical Caribbean. It's all new and it's streaming now on Hulu. This is a big year. The Ohio Lottery's golden anniversary. 50 years of excitement, of growing jackpots and crossed fingers. 50 years of funding for schools, of changed lives and brightened days. 50 years of fun, and that is worth celebrating. So watch for can't-miss promotions, huge events, and new games that will make the Ohio Lottery's 50th year its biggest one yet. Learn more at funturns50.com. Life is a highway. And on it, there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. So go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Everybody loves a lover. I'm a lover. Everybody loves me. Anyhow, that's Well, I have tarot card decks, and I sometimes will um, pull a couple out and see what's going on. Do you have the celebrity deck, or do you have the classic? <laughs> what's a celebrity deck? Well, for instance, they have, instead of the king and all whatever the things are, they have Daniel Craig, they have <laughs> Oprah, they have different ones. And they yeah. have, it's a completely different way of reading. No, I do. That. They have also those. have the agent. Deck. I didn't realize that. Different was what agencies. It was they have UTA, CAA. I have CAA. Decks, even though decks. I'm not with CAA, I have CAA. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. I use those for black magic, though, the CAA yes. decks. Well, I think- just, just to kind of delight you, I recently finished a job, and the director of the movie gave me a wooden tarot of the magician Ooh, that is gorgeous that's very handsome it's really pretty yes. that's that classic classic tarot deck too yes do you have you ever done tarot cards no i have no. not i've heard i've heard a lot about it and it's on my list what about when you were a kid this is a totally different thing and this is a very occulty and kind of i think it's a little scary did you ever do a ouija board when you were a kid I had a Nerf Ouija board, which is fun because <laughs> you can't get splinters. Uh, it floats. Nobody gets hurt. Oh, and, man. And it's never used for summoning up spirits. It's just, as it says on the package, it's just good, clean fun. Uh, <laughs> I'm not familiar with that. I'll have to check that out. Mm-hmm. That sounds really cool. Um, so uh, you guys are the second a couple who are participating in a mariage that we've had on uh, the podcast because we had Mary Steenburgen and Ted Danson on. So Mm -hmm. this is fun because, dear listeners, as you may or may not know, these two cuties are married and have been for low these many years. How many years have you guys been? 35. 35. Let uh, let the record show that 
Christopher just made hand gestures denoting the number yeah. 35. He, it's a new way of doing a podcast where you just simply use a lot of sign language. It works. If it ain't broke. <laughs> 35 years of marriage. Gosh. And um, may I be, uh-oh, he was getting ready to do another hand gesture. Did I interrupt you? I'm, I didn't want to interrupt. No, I was just stretching. Okay. That <laughs> wasn't maybe a full range of motion. You just half raised your hand up. Yeah. Okay. Well, take your time. There he goes again. You still stretching or was that a, a hand gesture? <laughs> okay. I can't tell which is, which is, it looks like, it looks like hand gestures, but I guess it's stretching. Um, so <laughs> how did you guys meet? May I, if I may pry into your personal lives? Uh, hmm. Go, I'm, man, I'm, go. I, uh, do it. Take it. Can we do a shorter version of this? <laughs> do you want me to do a speed round? S- anyone. Someone do a speed round. <laughs> uh, well, do you want it? As long as you don't edit. Well, of course I'm going to edit. Well, then it becomes longer. <laughs> okay. Right, but then it becomes uh, correct. We've got, we've you, got plenty of go, time. Do it, if you do it fast, because otherwise I'm... Okay. I'm, Here's the fast version. I saw Chris's photograph in Rolling Stone magazine and said out loud to my friend Deborah Hill, I'm going to marry him. I had never seen him. I had never met him. Um, I left my number with his agent, uh, who Deborah Hill had already pre-called and told that I would be calling. Are you counting? No, I'm just stretching. Okay. (laughs) Um, He really keeps uh, his hands limber. Yeah. Yes. Uh, Yeah. Um, <laughs> 35, baby. Um, and he, I uh, left my number with his agent. He never called me. I dated someone else that broke up. I took that person to the airport. I left the airport and went to Hugo's in West Hollywood. Yeah. I sat, I sat down with my friend, Melanie Griffith and her then husband, Steve Bauer. And, um, Did you drop something? say again. Did you drop something? No, you know what? I'm doing the, the I, it's. <laughs> no, I'm, I was maybe. No, I didn't no. drop something. I, no, I, I think right. that's really dropping. I, mm. I, wa- I walked <laughs> in right, right. and I sat Easy. down and, you know, two tables away, Chris was sitting there facing me. I gestured, uh, he gestured with his hand like that silently. I gestured with my hand like that silently. Um, I, a few minutes later, he got up to leave. He stood at the table silently and shrugged his shoulders and waved. And I waved back. And he called me the next day and we got married four months later. Holy crap. I just got chills. Five months later. I've got chills right now. Did you on your hand? Where do you get chills? On here or Um, in the back? Well, I just now I got him on my arms, but earlier something happened and I got chills on my arms and then I got him on my face. Wow, cool. Yeah. Now, what so if, that was that. Yeah. What if he had only been stretching at that table and, <laughs> and you misunderstood his gesticulation? Exactly. Exactly. Uh, it was it was clear. Then he it. was saying, I got your message, but I never called you. <laughs> um, and then he got up to leave basically saying, Okay, goodbye. Wow, that's fantastic. Um, But but at that point, then of course he did call, and um, 
And then we had a date. And at that first date, I kind of knew on that date. Wow. Wow. Yeah. And then, and then he was just, just as the tiny little addition, he was about to go do Saturday night for a year. Uh, he was leaving August 8th. Uh, by the way, that date was June 28th when we met at the restaurant. We went out July 2nd. He was leaving August 8th for a year to do SNL. I was starting the movie Perfect in Los Angeles in August. We went back and forth every weekend. We got engaged in September. We got married right when my movie finished and his season ended. And he came back to Los Angeles. Yeah, that's amazing. That's so cool. It's a good story. First of all, Hugo's was the spot. I mean, that was really... If you're looking for a a long-term marriage... Hugo's on <laughs> Santa Monica. Because that was 1985, if my math is not incorrect. It was and, 19, yes, it was 1984, and, actually. Oh, 84. Really? And, and the, if, if this had been Tale of the Pup restaurant, or <laughs> yes. place, would have been yeah, a very different set of hand gestures. It would have been a di- very different scenario. We could have been, it could have taken us six or seven months to get married. <laughs> but it happened to be at Hugo's. Yeah, well, Hugo's also, puts the pedal to Still the there, by the way. So. Yes, but by the way, still there. Yeah. Uh, it is owned by a married couple, and they catered the wedding. Oh, that's gorgeous. That's cool. I used to go to Hugo's all the time, and it, and it really yeah. was kind of the place to be. Emily and Tom Kaplan. Hmm. Wow. Well, I think That's we're a great all pr- story. we have a pretty solid awareness those of us with with human senses of Jamie's beauty and intelligence and mm. power and talent. And wit. Yeah. But but Chris, I'm curious what 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 was it about her that cuz that's pretty intense that on a first date that you would say I found her. Well, it that had never happened to me before. Uh, so it's difficult to articulate uh, what that was. It was that moment of just knowing. Mm-hmm. It wasn't, uh, I was not familiar with her work. I had not, it had to do with the person. Mm-hmm. And it was just that feeling of this is the real thing and knowing that. Mm. And I, I, it's not to be mystical, but I, that's, that's what it was. Gosh, that's no, I so love nice. that. I, I actually I had a similar sensation, uh, not uh, when we first met. It took, I don't know, some some weeks. I mean, it, it didn't take long, but one day we had we'd started dating um, and I was driving up in my pickup truck to Valencia. I was driving up the freeway and I remember exactly where I was when it occurred to me in a sort of mystical way. Oh, the, this is it! You're getting married to Megan, and I and I remember being resentful that that I wasn't consulted. Um, <laughs> I was like, "Oh, the, okay, okay, that's uh, <laughs> so that that settles that." <laughs> and you guys must have been in your twenties. Not me. I was. I was, was twenty six. Chris was thirty. <laughs> you were what? Seventy. I was seventy. Oh, wait a minute. Oh, you're talking about Roman numerals? Are we talking about? Yes, I was older. I still am older. And uh, yes, that was that. that. Okay, I have two more questions. What kind of pickup were you driving? F-150? No, it was a a crappy old Dodge uh, Ram that I loved. Interesting. uh, That Megan had seen 
um, used. It was for sale. She had seen it sitting in somebody's yard, and I was riding a motorcycle at the time. It's not parked on Laurel Canyon. When we first started dating, and she said, hey, I'll make you a deal. I'll I'll help you purchase that pickup truck for your carpentry business if you get rid of the motorcycle. Mm-hmm. And I said, put her there, yeah. lady. Yeah, not a fan of motorcycles. Um, okay, I do have two more quick questions about this before we move on. But um, where was the first date, if you don't mind my asking? We went to Chianti, which was an Italian restaurant uh, on Melrose. And Chris was coming from a Spinal Tap photo session because you had your guitar. And I was coming from a rehearsal for Perfect or some probably uh, aerobics class or something. And we still have the credit card receipt from that that date. And I was training for the movie Perfect, so I had stopped eating, you know. So (laughs) I think I I could only have a Caesar salad. Um, Anyway, that's where we went. And and so you must have known, if you saved the credit card receipt, you must have known too, Jamie, right? I have every receipt. I have every ticket stub of every movie my kids have ever seen. And that, weirdly enough, for somebody who is a, a, a somewhat famous uh, divester, get out of my drawers. Um, uh, I am that, I am weirdly enough that person. Where do you keep it all, though? Uh, I have trunks for my kids. I have this Labeled. Whole... Everything is labeled. I'm a... We have a basement, which is an unusual thing in Los Angeles. Okay. And there are boxes. I'm going to go tell them to stop. Are... Uh, we have people. It's all happening. It's, this a, is live, people. We have a film crew that's going, that are moving some C-stands and stuff. So, um, what, are you, um, what are you shooting? Uh, we're doing, uh, I, it sounds weird because Game of Thrones kind of just went off, but we're doing uh, the next season. Uh, it's not official. I mean, it's not official. That's a big deal. It's not sanctioned in any did way. You clear the, did you clear that no. with anyone? No, I'm gonna, it's just a lawyer thing. <laughs> I'm sure uh, it'll be fine. Yeah, yeah, this is hand puppets. This is not live action. Oh, okay. Yeah, they're not too whatever. precious about that it, brand. It's, no, it's cool. No, and I think that that wasn't such a big thing for that phrase. No. So I think, uh, and who doesn't like a nice hand puppet? You know, yeah. Oh, yeah. Jamie, I wanted to ask you then, um, conversely, what, when you guys were, you know, you know, you'd seen this picture of Chris. What, yeah, what was it de- about the can picture? Can you describe the, the photograph in Rolling Stone? Sure. Yeah. <laughs> they were promoting Spinal Tap, but it was a picture. It was a picture by Aaron Rappaport, and it was the three of the gentlemen, but they were just wearing regular old button-down shirts. Chris was in a plaid, um, which we still have, that shirt. Uh, And he was on the end. Uh, Harry was in the middle. And they had their sort of arms around each other. And Chris had a sort of a smirky, like a, you know, Chris does not like to get his photograph taken uh, Hmm. still. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so he's sort of kind of going like, like that. And I don't know. I just, uh, and by the way, I didn't see him in character until I turned the page. So the, you know, you turn the page and then they were in full character. So, you know, it was, uh, I just saw this guy sort of smirking. I don't know. 
It was, it was you just knew. he was handsome. I mean, he was handsome. You just, but that's kind of a psychic thing. And you see, you don't even need the tarot cards. That's why you've never done them because you don't need them. Yeah, uh, I mean, it was. I, I I joke you not. I said out loud to my friend Deborah, "Ooh, I'm going to marry that guy." I mean, I had no idea. And now, to be fair, to be fair, you'd also said that when you saw a picture of Ben Kingsley. <laughs> So it, it's not as if this is necessarily a custom sort of thing. Was it Deborah Winger? No, it was Deborah Hill. She produced and co-wrote Halloween. She was my best girlfriend at the time. Oh, yeah. And we were in my apartment in West Hollywood. Crazy. Where in West yeah. Hollywood? It was in the Colonial House. It was the sort of uh, beautiful. Oh, yeah. Land, the the landmark of. Uh, it's actually on Havenhurst. It's south of Sunset, uh, one block oh. west of Laurel Canyon. That's and the, yeah, it's it. It was a landmark building. Betty Davis mm. was uh, one of the residents in the building. It was filled with artists and actors and yeah, uh, that's a famous, yeah. famous building. Cool building. Yeah, it was. Oh, you had a lot of other cool people in there in that building. Yes, we only know cool people. Actually, uh-huh. <laughs> I mean, are you including duh. us in that or no? Well, I it's 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 inferred. Okay, <laughs> you checking. will come to know us. <laughs> <laughs> but we did. We have come to know you guys because, um, well, we can't really talk about how we know because it's very top secret. No, it's but secret. we've met on occasion for the past several years. And my husband and has been to your I've husband's actually been shop. To- I've been to your wood shop, Nick, which is amazing. And you've not been to where I tie my flies and play music. But one day after all this is winding down, I hope you do. We have a standing date. And I, yeah. I was thinking about that uh, this morning. That's one thing I'm excited to do is uh, begin to the, the five employees of my wood shop. Uh, I, I'm doing my best to take care of them in this weird time, but you know, uh, we are people's custom furniture in Los Angeles is I'm not going to consider that an essential business. So I'd, I'm making them stay home and keeping everybody safe as best I can. And, but now as things are, are uh, lasting longer, I'm starting to figure out how I can get myself back into my shop just to keep myself from going insane and work on some projects. And so I was thinking about one of the best things that ever happened to me. Chris came to see my shop and, uh, and I was working on my very first batch of ukuleles that I'm making. Mm-hmm. And it, and it was the first, uh, fret board that I'd made from scratch. The frets are the bars that, that you use uh, to denote the different notes and, and uh, you press down on the different frets to change the string length to achieve your notes. And, and Chris ran his hand up and down the underside of the neck and said very plainly, uh, this is garbage. Um, <laughs> I don't think I actually said that, but the reason I said that, in, in a different way was that when we had had lunch one day, you were feeling the bottom of the table in the restaurant we were in. And I said, what are you doing? Not to be rude, but because you were, I couldn't see what you were doing. And you said, it's called the blind man's test where you feel 
the finish work on the underside of something, which should be done as well as the top. In a, in a guitar neck, whether it's a guitar ukulele, high-end instruments are, are filed and polished beautifully, and you don't feel any snag, essentially. Yeah. Well, uh, which I really appreciated because, you know, you, if, for those that don't know, Chris is, and I'm sorry to say this to your face, but he's is a pretty virtuosic uh, string player and folk musician and singer. You may have seen some of his work in some of uh, his films, but so somebody who's such an exquisite player to have that lesson um, is sort of jumps me forward as a builder because now I know going forward, it probably would have taken me a long time to learn that, that my frets were garbage. Now I know <laughs> you've ta- you've sh- shown me that before I start uh, putting these in people's hands to play, I have to have them stand up to this test of running your hand along the frets and and that tells you by feel that they're polished that took the care to do it right so you're a luthier i'm an, an aspiring luthier oh wannabe luthier yeah well he's uh, making them they're making them well so you're a luthier well okay i'll i will commission assuming you get over the hurdle of the frets um <laughs> i will i will commission one a nice mahogany one you know we're recording this yeah Okay, uh, <laughs> I that I when I feel like when you and I agree that uh, I'm up to it, I'll be happy to take that commission. Okay. This is a big year. The Ohio Lottery's golden anniversary. 50 years of excitement, of growing jackpots and crossed fingers. 50 years of funding for schools, of changed lives and brightened days. 50 years of fun. And that is worth celebrating. So watch for can't-miss promotions, huge events, and new games that will make the Ohio Lottery's 50th year its biggest one yet. Learn more at funturns50.com. If a friend asks how you're doing, and you say, I'm okay. When the truth is, I don't want my problems to burden anyone. Or you say, Hang it in there. Because, If I ask for help, They'll just think I'm weak. Then this is your sign to call, text, or chat. 988 for free, confidential support. Anytime. You don't have to hide how you feel. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela, you put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor, because you know the bigger the fight, the better the reward. Medela, the mark of the fight. Rick responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Import, Chicago, Illinois. Did either I don't know why, why this just popped into my head, but did either one of you do theater? I mean, Jamie Lee, probably not, because you're such a Hollywood baby, and I don't stay up that late. Uh, <laughs> you do go I, to bed really early. Yeah. I did a lot of theater. I grew up in New York City, going back and forth between New York City and London with my family. And I did a lot of theater in New York when I started, when I was in my late teens. Mm. For many years, I did theater off-Broadway and on-Broadway before I did other things. As an actor. And then how did you get into writing and directing? Was that just something that came naturally? I start, when I was, uh, how old was I? 
I was 22, I started working at the National Lampoon. It was the first year of that magazine. And we started doing albums, record albums, which I did, wrote and co-wrote music for, singing comedy as well. And then that morphed into a off-Broadway play, which I co-wrote called Lemmings. And then uh, it, it occurred to me that I was doing more than one thing. And then eventually that organically moved into me doing everything. And in my films, which I co-write typically, uh, I also do a lot of the music and I'm in them and I direct them. And so it's kind of ended up being what I do. You did a, a sort of a Kind Hearts and Coronets film called, a noir called called Dead Ringer. Dead Ringer, where he... Yes, which was not seen. Right, but you uh, made that for what reason? Uh, ego? <laughs> no, but I mean, I'm serious. Like, oh, what, for what reason? Well, I mean, well, like I you... Well, I felt something I wanted to try to do. I played all the parts. Right, I, but I mean, you clearly so. produced it. It's, yeah. it's, it's got... It's yeah. shot like a noir. It's yeah. costume. I don't know. I guess I thought, even as a kid, because I, I did all these different voices and played music that that was just a natural thing for me to do maybe but did you make that don't 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 take. I got surprised I know but did you make that as a short that yes, you would it was a short no I understand did you plan on it being seen by people it was seen on cable when ah, cable, remember okay. when cable well, you're probably too young to remember this the, the young people that are interviewing us but <laughs> there, when cable was cable it wasn't what cable is now. Well, they didn't even call it cable anymore. Maybe, I don't know what they call it. But there was there was something called uh, cable, which was really out there. It was just the most bizarre programming. Uh, anyone could throw stuff up there. So you had people doing interview shows, crazy interesting, mostly bad but funny stuff. And there was a so-called network, which I can't remember the name of, and a group of people I knew, we did a bunch of things, Rob Reiner, Billy Crystal, and I put together a, about an hour of material, and it was on one of those things. And it was the only way you could do that. There was no HBO, there was no Showtime, there was nothing else. It was, I missed that because it was really goofy. It was, do you know Skippy Lowe? Do you know who that is? Mm -mm. No. You should look up or write down Skip E. Lowe, Skip E. Lowe, because he had an interview show uh, <laughs> that would be worth your diving into. <laughs> I remember in New York, there were all those crazy cable access shows. Exactly, yes. Yeah, and yeah. in the 90s, because I did a couple of Broadway shows in the 90s, and there, you know, all this other stuff that we have now didn't exist yet. And so I yes. remember watching a lot of those. It's fascinating. It was fascinating. Well, I, I don't know if anyone's archived them. It started in the 70s, probably in the mid 70s, these things popped up. And you could give them $3 and essentially you could buy a little studio time. And it was, uh, it was amusing, shall we say. Remember there was that woman, did she do restaurant reviews? Don't know. Oh, there was an odd woman. I remember she just sort of sat there and talked to the camera. Do you remember that one? I don't, but there were h hundreds of them. Yeah. Anyway, so that's where that showed. There were a lot of so, sex, sex ones. There was yeah, a lot. No, of, that was a separate thing. That was a different. 
Oh, that was time, it got later in the evening and suddenly went right into right into the heart of it, as we say. It went deep, deep into uh, uh, crotchless panty world. <laughs> yeah, right. mm. And that was actually the title of the show. That <laughs> That's was, a great, uh, it's a catchy yeah. title. Um, yeah. Maybe you guys should cons- reconsider the name of your new puppet show, mm. Crotchless Panty World 2. Um, Jamie Lee, you, when I was in college, I saw Halloween and I don't even like scary movies, but I loved that movie. And I remember thinking like, oh my God, she's so cool. She's so pretty. And she's like running and being brave. And <laughs> she's like running. That's, that would be <laughs> the title of my book. And do. she's like running. <laughs> <laughs> You're such a badass. Aww. And, uh, and I, right. Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's <laughs> yeah. kind of your thing, but you are a badass. I don't, I, I honestly, I, uh, she can be, I, I would say mm-hmm. that the, under the, what circumstances? Well, I mean that she can play the badass, but then she can obviously do other things. And she's done. Oh yeah. A billion movies, but I think but, in real life, you're a badass is what no, I guess I'm saying. No, no. See, that's where we don't know each other really well. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I'm, I, I would say that if anything, I'm trying to be. <laughs> the puppet people are. The puppets are loud today. What is happening? Hold on. Oh. The, the puppets have come is, to life. They're having like a big argument or something. <laughs> wow. Well, I perceive her as a badass. So no, in she's, my she's mind, super, she is She's one. uber uh, competent and. That's different than being a, a badass, maybe. No, I think no, no, Bruce no. Lee was a badass. No, I'm, I think I, I honestly hope John Gielgud is a badass. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I would hope that what will have developed is actually a, a whole different thing, um, mm-hmm. much, much, much quieter and much more delicate than mm-hmm. you know. Badass is just it feels very you know, brazen and kind of hard. And I am, mm, you no, guys I mean know me, I'm not, heroic, a, I'm, oh, okay. But I, I don't, sense. I don't, that's not something I would say about myself, obviously. Well, that's um, what we say about you to, in the um, privacy okay. of our own home. So, But to me, heroism go. is heart. Heroism is the ability to access your heart. That to me is heroic mm-hmm. because it is the only thing that will actually continue this. Um, the rest of it is dross and fun and funny and all that. Um, that's so. why you're. That's why you're a badass. That's why you're heroic because okay. you have those beliefs. Okay, what's that um, framed piece of cuteness behind you guys? Well, that is a photograph by a friend of mine named Shauna Ankenbrandt who took a picture in the south of France of these two older people. Oh, it's, it's really uh, good. Um, it's two it, but, people in bathing suits. But, uh, but I'm going to tell you what was there because it will make you laugh. So obviously we are seeing each other uh, in bed because that was the whole idea that we're supposed to be in bed. I even have Pilly. Where's Pilly? Where'd Pilly go? Oh, my God. I even brought Pilly. Oh, Pilly. Because this is Pilly. When Jamie goes on a trip, she makes little notes if we're in a hotel, and it says, take Pilly, (laughs) so that when we're leaving, and she's written it hundreds of times wherever we are, take Pilly, 
Well, because it's I don't want to leave. Your oh, friend. Occasionally you've forgotten. I have. I've, Kelly is a, a rectangular pillow, by the way. Yes, it's a sort of a rectangular, thin um, pillow. But <clears throat> so recently, obviously, because of all of this downtime, um, we've been doing a lot of this Zoom communication or, you know, video communication. And for the last many years, I had two pieces of art hanging behind me, which were done by a 15-year-old girl, my niece, Lena Hines, who attended a very posh private school in Pasadena. And for her senior project, she took photographs of nude girls and she crocheted with thread pubic hair on the photographs themselves, literally needle and thread, because it was her statement about the slut shaming from boys who found pubic hair to be gross because by the time they came of age sexually, all the girls removed their pubic hair. And so boy, for girls who chose to have it, boys were saying it was icky. And she made these art pieces and they're exquisite. And the thing that happened was the school banned them from the art fair. And then the local newspaper heard about it and put it on the cover of the Pasadena newspaper with a big black banner across the pubic area saying censorship at, I won't say the school because then I'll get sued, but it was a big deal. And when this happened, this is Chris's cousin's daughter. I said to her, I would like to buy them. So the reason I'm telling you the story is, (laughs) so they've been in my office behind the wall. And what happened is we did a Seder Zoom with my daughter's in-laws. Oh, no. (laughs) (laughs) And, And right behind my head. And in fact, while you're talking to my husband, I will go get one to show it to you. I'll show it to you at the end. So but when we're finished, I will show you what That's it looks fantastic. like. But it's it it's we didn't we had we didn't put two and two together in the context. It, of it took me a little while and I was about to do a sort of national thing for Lionsgate, who, which is a company I recently worked with. And I was setting up my Zoom and I had to do narration and they had to send me documents to read. And it was kind of a big deal. And when I looked at the Zoom shot, I realized that I was about to go live around the world with two vaginas over my shoulder um, <laughs> and that I assumed that there would be some cards and letters. So <clears throat> I have I have switched it out since I'm we're doing a lot of these Zoomings. So. Well, I'm sorry. Well, we'll see them afterward. I'm kind of I will excited. show them to you. They're exquisite. They're well, exquisite. Well, that piece is really great too. Thank and wh- you, and while we're uh, while we're there, can I also get the translation of the Japanese uh, sumie painting the symbols? I don't know what it says. Uh, my friend uh, Al and Suzanne Yankovic went to Japan. Well, you guys know each other, and oh, sure. and. Um, they brought it back. I think it may be... I think it says a 15-year-old with pubic hair sound. <laughs> I think you're right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it could say, fuck you. Um, <laughs> and then we'll also get cards and letters. And below it, weirdly enough, this is so great. I got to meet His Holiness, the Dalai Lama. <gasps> um, my daughter, our daughter, Annie, 
um, was very into Buddhism when she was a young child. And a friend of ours, Deborah Oppenheimer, arranged, he was doing a conversation with Houston Smith at UCLA. And we went, and then they kind of brought us back. And I, oh I, I had a contact for a second with the Dalai Lama. And so oh, I put wow. him there. Another reason you don't need the tarot cards. <laughs> You're hooked wow, up. Talk about the drop. Yeah. So is she is is your daughter not into Buddhism anymore? Well, she's as an much, adult. Or? We don't talk about what she's into. Uh, oh, okay. Yeah, she was <laughs> just married. She's a, just married uh, in this last summer, and uh, our son is uh, not married, but talking about it. And that's, well, he's engaged. That's what I mean. Well, that's more than talking about it. Ah, that's planning. Oh, yeah, the talking part led up to the engagement and then <laughs> but you know what's interesting when you have children you're not allowed to talk about them anymore it's funny as they mm. become adults any questions about them become a little con- it's challenging because well it goes through their publicists at this point <laughs> right Right. <laughs> i think that's but part of you guys it's their life you know yeah. it's their life they they need to be able to determine what they tell the world. How it's and when you have yeah. when you have public parents, you have to be super super mindful. More and more, the older I get, that's well, a great it's a great point because I I think about that a lot when I see my friends uh, on social media who have an adorable child and they and even even friends that, that are judicious and 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 private. But their kid will do, they'll get some video that's just the cutest. They're throwing their oatmeal on their face. So they throw it on Instagram. And I think, oh, I just wonder how your, you know, how your two year old is going to feel one, they're 16. Yeah. Yeah. And that's. And people have different reactions to their childhoods. Yeah. And the feelings associated with. So some people would probably like it and enjoy that. And then other people really don't or, or don't want their childhood. It's it's theirs. It's not uh, the world's. It's theirs. Speaking of, you know, famous parents. So I don't know if everyone listening to this would know that a lot of people do. But Jamie Lee is the daughter of uh, Tony. Go on. <laughs> You're looking it up. I love you. I know. So I'm sorry. Cute. I get stage fright Tony sometimes. Tony Jay. Curtis and Janet Lee. And so uh, what must that have been like, one wonders? You know what? Honestly, um, I don't have super strong memories of growing up. I certainly have no memories of them together. I, I think they divorced when I was three. Um, I did not know him growing up. Um, he was a sort of a shadow figure. He married many times, had many other children. Um, we are all semi-close, the kids. But, um, you know, I really knew my mom better. Um, I didn't really know them as movie people. I, I, uh, their fame sort of preceded them in a room. People would be excited that they would see these people. But I didn't have an association to the fame. Obviously, now I can look at a movie that they did and be impressed or whatever, um, and they both did some beautiful work uh, as actors. But I don't feel a particular connection to them. Mm-hmm. And so it's hard to sort of 
take pride in it. I mean, mm-hmm. I'm proud that they came from nothing. And I say from nothing, meaning they came from no wealth at all. They were both very, very, um, you know, they were raised in very poor. I know. I just I hate the word. I'm trying not to use it. Well, it applies. It applies. You know, they they mm. they. My mother was from Merced, California, and Tony was was raised on the streets of Manhattan. But his father was a tailor. My you know my mother. They both came from very meager backgrounds, and they both achieved great heights in our industry. And so I I am most proud that they survived their lives. Really. Mm. And that they were able to contribute artistically to the degree that they did. My mother was in a couple absolute classic films, Psycho, obviously. Touch of Evil is a great performance of Mm -hmm. hers. And Tony also, um, you know, Some Like It Hot is a great performance. Um, And so they they certainly achieved uh, a lot. And um, I can't tell you that I was super, super close to them. Mm-hmm. Um, but but I also am old enough now and they're gone long enough that, you know, I just try to hold a, a positive feeling as I hope our children, you know, will hold for us when we're gone. Yeah. Did you have like a, a nanny in the house who, you, you know, know what? Uh, yeah. Yeah. I don't remember, honestly, I don't remember my early childhood at all. so interesting, Um, yeah. But, I mean, we had a housekeeper, you know, uh, and my mother didn't work that much by the time I was in grade school. Uh, Much, much less. So that's why I'm saying I wasn't, like, raised when they were at their height. When they were at their height in the 50s, I wasn't born until 58. So, So they, you know, I didn't get that deep indoctrination of movie star parents. Um, They were just sort of people. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's good. And where did you, I mean, it's just, I'm assuming that your upbringings were slightly different. Where did you grow up, Chris? Uh, I grew up in Greenwich Village and my dad was English and we had a house in London for a while and we would go back and forth quite a bit. Mm. I have an English side of the family. What did your dad do? My dad was uh, worked at the United Nations from the beginning of the, when that started in the late 40s. Oh, wow. And uh, the house was filled with a lot of uh, people from different countries, from with artists as well, musicians, writers. Uh, when they would have a party, it was salon-ish in that sense. There were... Mm. Very interesting people, different mm-hmm. backgrounds. That's what was normal. I was exposed to that at an early age. It had been true with my grandparents in London as well. They had a an artistic slash political musical combination of friends, and this was similar, I guess, in some ways. Mm-hmm. That's so. So you. So you guys did have a kind of a similar upbringing in a sense. Uh, it's a little bit more. It's so. not, you no. know, you know, your no. dad. You didn't grow up in the Midwest with an insurance broker. No, for your dad and a no. I think there was a there was much more of an intellectual pursuit um, mm-hmm. in Chris's side of the family, and mm-hmm. and 
uh, although my mother was brilliant, my mother was very, very bright and graduated college at 15. Wow. You know, she was God. a very, very smart woman. She was extraordinary. But uh, education was not an important thing in my home. And mm. Tony didn't really have that. I mean, it wasn't a currency that was really what was talked about. Art mm. was, but mm. not necessarily um, an education. So it was different. But I mean, that's good. Are you putting Purell on? He's putting Purell on like in <laughs> the middle of this. There. Like, yeah. Well, here, I'll have some. Tis the season. <laughs> yeah, far out. Well, I, I, I'm curious, um, Chris, didn't you actually, uh, uh, can you tell us about your, your family's um, role in the British government? Aren't, yeah. Aren't, didn't you spend a, a little bit well, of time? The, um, uh, my grandfather, uh, Leslie Hayden Guest, was a doctor. His father had been, my great-grandfather was a doctor. He was a doctor. Uh, he fought in... World War I, he was a doctor at some of those awful, famous battles that were Passchendaele, which was in Belgium, which was one of those slaughters. He eventually went into politics in England. He was a Labour MP. uh, And then he was, as they say there, he was elevated to the House of Lords. And that then sets in motion for a hereditary peer, the title to go down through the family, and then you sit in the House of Lords if you choose to do that. And my, I was the fifth person to do that. I did that for several years before they abolished hereditary peers, and it's now life peerages. They're essentially appointed or just given, they're just given that by whoever's in government, the, the PM can say, you're, go baby, go. And that's the actual phrase they use. <laughs> uh, Good Lord. Which doesn't sound like it would be parliamentary, but that's actually what it's been. But there were robes. There were there was robage. Did you wear and, uh, a wig? Jamie was at the wig? opening of parliament once and she was wearing a tiara. And, yes, uh, uh, we went the one time that we attended the state opening of parliament, two things were interesting. One, well, not two things. Everything was interesting. But the wives, um, everyone in the gallery had to be there at eight o'clock in the morning because you had to be in the building before they closed it and bombs did bomb sweeps because the queen was going to be there. Oh. So, you know, you have to be there and you have to be in full gowns and tiaras <laughs> at eight o'clock in the morning. Oh my and gosh. then and then the lords come in and then the queen comes in <laughs> and it was the first time as the monarchy is changing it was the first time that the page the young man who brought the queen her speech it was the first time in history in England that the page turned his back on the queen and walked away from her because it used to be you had to back away (gasps) and it was they are changing they are modernizing they are transitioning the monarchy and so it was the first time and there was an audible (gasps) oh 
Well, it was also the first yeah. time it's, that someone from the the House of Commons uh, is summoned. Uh, Black Rod walks down the hallway and he knocks three times on the door, and then this whole ritual has been going on. And then they come into the chamber, and it was the first time during the Queen's speech where one of the House the, the people in the House of Commons audibly made a comment in the middle of her speech. So as she's speaking, which is something that's written for her, you heard, <laughs> and that was another moment of, because that had never that had never happened, because you would never do that while the queen was speaking, especially in the middle of a joke. You don't want to <laughs> mess up the timing. But I mean, it was, it was, it, there, it was a moment of transition and it was going to be the only time that we attended a state opening of parliament before they disbanded the hereditary peers and basically sent the robes home. You know, they, they. Well, they, the robes are kept, uh, well, they can be kept anywhere, but they're, my robes were kept at a tailor in London that had been in business since the 1600s. What was the name of it? It was called Ede and Ravenscroft. Right, right. And they would send you letters on this great stationery uh, to the Right Honorable the Lord Hayden Guest. We are pleased to serve your family and thing, thing, thing. And then they, they're brought there in a horse-drawn carriage and these guys put the ropes on you and it was a whole thing. And then I had the ropes sent back here because what am I going to do with these Robes, it's it's hanging downstairs. Well, but no, but if they you s- want to wear it while you're planing one day, you can. Uh, <laughs> but they, but they, them for but they sent oh them gosh. back. I mean, they, yeah, they, they, sent they sent them back. And I will tell you, I know we've had this conversation before, but I also got a letter from uh, the House of Lords asking for my hall pass back. Uh, because they had <laughs> they had given me a laminated with my image on it sure. that says Lady Hayden Guest with my name and picture and a chain that you had to wear when you were in the building. The building. And they wrote a letter and said, you know, now that the hereditary peers are sort of no longer able to enter the building, um, we would like you to send it back. Oh my gosh! Wait, what year? How long ago was this? This was in the late. Uh, well, I guess ninety nine was. Uh, I first sat there in approximately ninety six, ninety six, and then uh, ninety nine was the, the last year. Ninety nine or two thousand. Yeah. So you got to do it for a few years, and and yeah, no, I definitely it was a fascinating thing to. Uh, and and how it, but often it, would it, you? It ended because they, they well, rebuked the, the hereditary peers. Yeah, well, Tony Blair was elected. The whole premise was this: Why do we have people who, just by virtue of the fact that they were born into a family, why are they in the upper house of parliament? Which made makes sense, obviously. Why would yeah. you? But the other thing is just as bad because now it's basically cronyism, where someone can appoint a hundred life peers and just basically bust them in for votes. So in a way it's, it's yeah, worse in some ways Supreme they should, Court. they should make that an elected body at some point. I don't know if they will. Well, but also it's frustrating. I'm over here. honey. Uh, it's also frustrating <laughs> for me because Christopher would have been and was a very thoughtful thinking environmental person and this, would this have Chris, this Christopher. Mm-hmm. 
this <laughs> one right here. And that he would have applied all of those qualities. Or not. To, yeah. No, you would have to that job. And the truth is he would have been a fantastic advocate. How often would you have to go there? And- well, you don't ever have to go at all. That's oh. the uh, other oddity about this. And I would say that uh, two-thirds of the the lords didn't go on a weekly basis. They wouldn't, or some people never go in their lives. Uh, it's an odd situation. They'd go to vote potentially, but they would not show up all that often during a, a given week. There was a gift shop. <laughs> <laughs> Let's, I mean, Did you get anything? Oh, yeah, we got a lot. Swag. Uh, oven, uh, mitts, oven mitts. Uh, playing <laughs> cards. Playing cards. Sure. Baseball hats. Oh, that is sure. cool. That's amazing. I do think I agree. That's a shame, though. Um, my on a, on a much smaller scale, my my grandfather was briefly the mayor of my little farm town in Illinois, mm, Manuka, and my dad has done a couple stints, uh, and my uncles as well uh, on the on the school board. My dad is on the village board, and it's the kind of thing where you know. Uh, we all suffer from this. Like usually, the people that we consider uh, conscientious uh, and, and with the requisite empathy um, and, and sense of responsibility are usually too smart to agree to run for office. Like the people you want leading us would <laughs> never do would it. never have the good sense not to. Um, right. And, uh, and my dad has recently been talked into doing this and, uh, and, you know, we're all so glad that someone whose values we respect. And it's, it's a shame that, because of a you know a changing of the of the guard that we don't have your your calm <laughs> mind involved in the yeah uh, and 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 someone who thinks yeah uh, and who reads and studies and you know it's a it's a real attribute and they it's their loss one of the reasons we we were sorry is because you would scoff at this sentiment and and you're welcome to but. We will laud you just the same. I just want to interject that I may have to call the authorities because your all's haircuts look suspiciously crisp for having been in a six-week stay-at-home. As a friend would say, dude, uh, (laughs) if when I take these off, I mean, this is this is so goofy; it's beyond belief. Oh, really? It's just oh my god! This is just brutal. Okay. No, this is I'm I'm cute. about five minutes away from using that Dremel, basically that I have <laughs> in its little kit with all those cool attachments, and just going crazy. Um, well, listen, you guys, we're just so thrilled to have you on the podcast, and I, you're just such wonderful, cool people, and I mean, you gave me a gift uh, on my birthday a couple of years ago that was uh-huh. the most fun, creative gift I've ever gotten, except for all the gifts Nick has ever given me, of course. Um, But I mean, it was just so, you gave me about a dozen different things. Are you speak? Oh, that. But you're not allowed to talk about that on the radio, are you? What? Yeah, all from the pleasure chest. No, you gave me about a dozen different uh, things and there was a whole card with all the you know, instructions and what everything was. And I, I can't, I get stage fright, like when I forgot Jamie's parents' names, but I, I can't try to list them all because I'll, 
there was a bong. Breakdown, but there was a bong. There was a bong. There was a book. There was a a, a whistle. There was a charm. There was all these things. There was things. a loudspeaker that had different settings. Oh my god! Different robots. We're going to use that in our band. We're going to use that in Nancy and Beth. That loudspeaker. Yeah. We we got different ones for the band. Actually, we got more. It was a good ass. It was gift. such a great gift, and <laughs> I just really. It just well, kind of tells a lot about you guys. I hope that this um, will make us want to actually be in the same room together at some point <laughs> and that we can expand this beyond um, bon mot and good laughs, but that we can actually reach out and touch each other well, at some point. We are ready for that anytime, any day. Okay. We're always thank here. Thank you for inviting us. Yes, yes thank and you thank for you. having us. And thanks for not giving us the fucking good mic. And you guys <laughs> sound like these cool DJ people, and we are going to sound terrible. And All that's right. okay. Thank you, dear listener, for tuning in to <laughs> another installment of In Bed with Nick and Megan featuring the just indescribably delicious Jamie Lee Curtis and Christopher Guest. Thank you. Good night. In Bed with Nick and Megan is an Earwolf production. It's produced by Megan Mullally, Kevin Bartelt, and Michael Landry. Executive produced by Colin Anderson and Chris Bannon. Music by Nancy and Beth, which can be found at www.nancyandbeth.com. If you enjoyed In Bed with Nick and Megan, make sure to rate it and review the show on Apple Podcasts. Whether you're a morning person or a bedtime procrastinator, everyone deserves a mattress that works for their style. And you'll find the best mattress for you at Ashley. The new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley brings you one-of-a-kind body-conforming technology, making every sleep tailored to be your best. The collection also features cool-to-the-touch covers and motion absorption to help minimize sleep disruptions from partners, pets, or kids. Shop the all-new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home. You can host the best backyard barbecue. When you find a professional on Angie to make your backyard the best around. Connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Inside to outside. Repairs to renovations. Get started on the Angie app or visit Angie.com today. You can do this when you Angie that. Why are smart businesses graduating to NetSuite by Oracle? Because NetSuite eliminates the expense of multiple business systems by consolidating your operations together into one. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, and HR into one platform and one source of truth. NetSuite reduces IT costs because it lives in the cloud with no hardware required, so you can access it from anywhere. You cut the cost and headaches of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. Bringing all your major business processes into one platform improves efficiency, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move, so do the math. You'll see how you'll profit with NetSuite, too. And now, by popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. 
Just go to netsuite.com slash podcast25 for more information. That's netsuite.com slash podcast25.